five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hey, space enthusiasts. In this episode, we are talking about analyzing satellite imagery for interesting use cases here on Earth. Our guest is Jakub Jivish from the startup Orbify. Their platform aims to make it really easy to deploy apps that take advantage of satellite imagery for use cases such as, for example, tracking, deforestation, and many others. Hear more about it in the episode. Now, as usual, a couple of short messages from our sponsors, and then please enjoy my conversation with Jakub. My name is Raphael Rodkin, and I'm an investor and advisor to space companies. Just as a reminder, this podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing should be taken as investment advice. This podcast is sponsored by Nanoavionics, a satellite manufacturer and mission integrator. Their technologies enable many space companies worldwide to offer services that improve life right here on Earth, such as providing global connectivity, conducting Earth observation, or contributing to scientific discoveries. Check them out, and also check out my episode with their CEO and co-founder. Sadly, I am not a rocket scientist, but I'm an alumnus of the International Space University. ISU offers a number of educational programs about space worldwide. Check them out at isunet.edu. And just some final things before we start the episode about ourselves. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple or Spotify. If you want us help expand our work, you can do so and support us at www.patreon.com forward slash space business podcast and we'll also put that link in the episode notes and lastly you can follow us on twitter at podcast underscore space hey welcome back everybody today i'm with jakub jivish who is the ceo and co-founder of orbify welcome jakub uh hello hello rafael hello everyone uh thanks for having me here it's a really great pleasure and honor to to, to be on your podcast it's a pleasure to have you. Why don't you start, as usual, giving us sort of the elevator pitch on, on your company? Sure thing. Uh, so Orbify is a web platform that uh, makes it easy to build uh, Earth intelligence applications. Earth intelligence applications uh, turn Earth observation and geospatial data into insights for ordinary people. So the problem that we want to solve is that... Uh, if you are an entrepreneur, if you are a consultant, Earth observation consultant that wants to build uh, something for uh, your users' product, for, for uh, your customers, uh, you run into uh, the problem of uh, harnessing a lot of different dependencies. So uh, if you want to build, let's say, a solution that makes it easy for a farmer to monitor how their crops are growing, uh, then you need to of course, uh, built uh, image uh, processing, image recognition uh, software that uh, will be able to calculate indexes like NDVI, etc. Right? This is this is the basic uh, thing. But then, uh, then things uh, start becoming difficult because uh, you will want to deploy your software into the cloud because uh, well, one server, one uh, even EC2 allocated in AWS isn't enough. Uh, if you have bigger traffic, you will need to be able to auto scale. So, uh, so some proper integration with the cloud is necessary. And then if you are building 
solution for a real farmer, then, uh, well, the user interface needs to be easy, right? So uh, you're running into uh, challenges of, of uh, building uh, React uh, interface uh, that uh, that is uh, very accessible for, for people that don't have time to reading big manuals. Uh, and uh, then, as an entrepreneur, if you are building, building a commercial solution, well, you will probably want to integrate with Stripe, PayPal, Odd0 to, to make sure that uh, you are properly authenticating, billing, charging uh, your customers. And of course, this is just uh, half uh, half of the problem because the other half is uh, well, literally uh, above our heads, right? Uh, uh, all the satellite constellations orbiting the Earth. This is uh, really great that uh, there is uh, more than 1,000 satellites collecting uh, gigabytes of, of data every every minute. At the same time, getting access uh, to, to the data isn't easy, right? So you and your listeners know how difficult it may be to get uh, data even from uh, freely uh, available sources like uh, Sentinel or, or Landsat mission, right? So uh, all in all, if you want to build a si even simple app based on Earth observation data, uh, you will have to invest a lot of uh, time, a lot of energy, uh, a lot of money into, into making it possible. And uh, we believe that uh, this should be easy, this should be simple, and this is why our platform serves an, as an abstraction layer over all of those dependencies, making it possible, uh, making it a one-stop shop uh, to create uh, fully-fledged uh, products based on Earth observation geospatial data. Thanks, G yeah, Jakub. I'm like sort of scared now. Basically, it sounds like you every single part of the process is, is complicated, like getting the data, sort of wrangling, processing it, then deploying the algorithm in the cloud. Um, so why don't you walk us through, I mean, you mentioned the farmer. Why don't you walk mm -hmm. us through a, through a use case, like an actual use case? And I can be the farmer. It could be some other industry, sort of like, let's say somebody comes to you and they say, you know, I have um, somebody who's not from the space industry, right? Like a real customer. Yeah. And let's say it's the farmer. Why not? They say, okay, you know, I want to understand the, the health of my crops uh, yeah. uh, in my fields. Take us through sort of like step-by-step, step, you know, what how the process works. Sure. So uh, actually the platform uh, is based on, on a couple of problems that uh, we were solving at the beginning of uh, existence of uh, Orbify as, uh, as a venture. Uh, and uh, there were a couple of use cases that we had to solve. So sticking to, to this uh, farmer example, uh, at the beginning, we worked uh, with uh, an Earth Observation Consulting company that had a client, let's say it's, it's, it's a farmer, right? And uh, the client, the farmer comes to this Earth Observation Consulting company and tells them, hey guys, I really appreciate the reports you are generating. They are very accurate. Uh, you are able to really precisely forecast soil moisture, soil organic matter content, uh, a lot of other parameters that make it easy for me, a guy who owns uh, several acres of land, to monitor health of my crops. However, I would like to be able to monitor it on a continuous basis, right? Every day I would like to be able to wake up uh, from my uh, laptop to log into a web application and see whether everything is fine or maybe we need to take care of irrigation or, or uh, put some uh, fertilizers into the ground. You have like a dashboard also. Yeah, yes, exactly. I'm, I'm a farmer that I would like to have a dashboard, right? And uh, then the farmer uh, told this to... to, to uh, 
our friends from Earth Observation Consulting Company. And uh, they are, on the one hand, they are very happy, right? Because there is a customer, uh, we can build a product. And then if we have a product for this one farmer, uh, then there will be another farmer, another farmer, you know, a, a lot of uh, potential users for our application. On the other hand, uh, well, they, they got a bit scared uh, because it was just the beginning of, of their potential problems because uh, they have algorithms that they usually run on their computers, right? So these are Earth Observation Consultants, people who are very deep into uh, geophysics and remote sensing and algorithms. Uh, so they uh, understand Python, Pandas, uh, other uh, software, Snap Toolkit, of course, uh, to, to process data. Uh, and they can easily generate very accurate PDF reports, PowerPoint presentations, right? But uh, if it's about building a product, Product, uh, a web application, then this is a totally different thing. Uh, it requires you to know a lot about cloud computing, a lot about uh, web interface uh, development, and you need to understand uh, a little bit about uh, UX and UI uh, design, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? So they got a bit scared, and they approached me, hey, Jakub, uh, could you help us? And actually, that, that, that was the beginning, right? Because... Uh, learning from them. Uh, okay, so you are trying to solve these problems. Uh, you need to get data, you need to be uh, receiving data from a couple of constellations because uh, you have diversified requirements, some optical, some multispectral, and, and some uh, radar data as well. We need to build a couple, you need to, or we need to build a couple of integrations. And then we need to build this sort of uh, user uh, interface UI, that a dashboard that allows the farmers to, to monitor the crops. And then you need to uh, deploy all of, all of those things into the cloud because uh, images can be several gigabytes big, right? So uh, a laptop or even uh, an instance of a machine uh, rented somewhere in the cloud is not sufficient. So we need auto-scaling, adding more machines to the cluster uh, as they are needed. Uh, so all of those things need to be solved, right? And then when we solved it once, uh, we understood that this is a little bit repetitive process. Because uh, if you have another uh, customer that comes to you and say, hello, uh, I would like to monitor a part of a sea to see whether there are any dark vessels, right? Then the drill is similar. You need to get images uh, from providers, so this time uh, maybe not multispectral, but uh, radar and a little bit of optical data may be necessary and a little bit of AIS, right? This uh, vessel location, vessel anti-collision system, AIS that uh, transmits uh, vessel's position. Mm -hmm. uh, you collect the data, uh, you process the data, uh, you need cloud again, you need user interface again. This could be a little bit similar, right? Because whether we are visualizing uh, crops uh, or, or vessels in, in the sea, uh, this is uh, still uh, a map on which we are drawing some shapes and then a couple of uh, diagrams. So there are similarities uh, there. And you need uh, things like uh, PayPal, Stripe to uh, enable uh, those people pay you on a, on a regular basis, right? And then if you are uh, <laughs> working with a forester, well, the problem repeats itself, right? The forester also wants to monitor health of the forest, uh, biomass, uh, whether area is not decreasing, uh, whether NDVI is uh, normal, etc., etc. So it's, again, very similar. You need to download the data. You need to process the data in the cloud. Uh, you need to visualize it nicely. Again, a couple of maps uh, and, uh, and uh, a couple of uh, diagrams uh, and uh, Stripe, PayPal, etc., etc. So uh, 
use case after use case, uh, we were seeing that uh, although among domains, industries, there are a lot of differences. Uh, on the algorithm level, there are a lot of differences, right? There is uh, uh, detecting vessels is totally different from uh, detecting soil moisture. Uh, but uh, when you're looking at this application development, software engineering aspects, they are very similar. So this is uh, this is the foundation. Uh, this is the foundation of our platform that uh, the drill is pretty similar. You get the data, you process the data, you visualize the data, and then uh, you need to have uh, some sort of uh, authentication, billing, charging uh, infrastructure. So, this, so this, this is the, the origin of the company when the this earth uh, the, the consulting company came to you, and then you realized, okay, we can do this once, but we can repeat it. Or did the company always? Yes. Okay, the, that's why the, you founded the company. This this is why we started the company, and uh, this is why we are building a platform to make it possible to serve self serves self-serve our users, right? So we don't want to be working with uh, every every Earth observation company. Well, we would like to, right? But then we would like to, we, we would need to hire a lot of people. So uh, in order to enable every single Earth observation company in the world, uh, build Earth intelligence applications, applications that are monitoring uh, land and sea, uh, we are building our self-serving platform where they can uh, create stuff themselves, right? So drag and drop, uh, low code, if you want to deploy your own uh, image processing uh, stuff into the cloud, sure, we do support it. Uh, but uh, there are uh, multiple use cases that are covered uh, without the need for you to deploy even a small piece of code, right? You're just uh, dragging uh, components, combining them together, building a workflow, uh, and uh, it just works. Let's come back to that in a second. I just want to. I forgot to ask, so what were you guys doing before you founded the company? Were you already software engineers or data scientists or something mm -hmm. like that? Okay. Yeah, so... Uh... Our founding team, uh, we all have been working with each other for a couple of years, uh, and uh, we all were working previously in, in software engineering uh, domain. Uh, I've got, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years of experience when it comes to software engineering, uh, building software and uh, leading uh, teams, uh, building products, because uh, before RBFI, I used to be CTO at airhub.com, uh, a B2C travel tech company. Uh, and actually, this is uh, this is where I uh, also worked with uh, my co-founders, Evelyn uh, and Michal. And uh, Michal uh, have been in various uh, roles uh, in, in software engineering, everything from uh, support roles through QA, uh, through software engineering to, to product management. Uh, and uh, Evelyn uh, was uh, previously uh, part of a couple of uh, fast-paced startups, helping them to grow uh, healthily in terms of uh, people headcount and, and and culture so uh, we all uh, created big teams uh, big products uh, and uh, took our experience from travel tech e-commerce domain uh, to earth observation uh, because uh, we are all outsiders. Uh, on board, we have uh, people who are experienced, right? So <laughs> it's impossible probably to innovate without uh, without people that uh, have a lot of experience. But uh, uh, what uh, what our founding team uh, brings to the table is this uh, fresh uh, look on the on the problem. So on, on the software side, I suppose there's, I guess, kind of sort of two categories. And to be fair, mm -hmm. you have described that there's a sort of the, you know, creating the, the, the user interface and all of the sort of the piping in the back, right? The deployment into the cloud and all of that. So that's one thing. And then you have the data science part and are you guys you guys are doing both right or are you kind of taking off-the-shelf solutions for the data science part 
Uh, right now, for the data science, uh, we are taking solutions off the shelf uh, because, uh, well, we have only uh, a couple of people who, who are experienced who can uh, build innovative solutions. At the same time, uh, we are partnering with uh, a couple of entities uh, from uh, the space, Earth Observation Space, uh, to build unique components uh, on our platform so that uh, also in terms of uh, data science, uh, we can uh, bring to the table something uh, innovative. Understood. And there's certainly people in the space ecosystem are ready to, to partner with. So that's that's actually an interesting approach sort of to divide and conquer. Now, coming back to, to the farmers. So, you know, the farmers, as, as frankly, many end customers who benefit from space data, at the end of mm -hmm. the day, don't care that the data comes from space, right? I mean, they may think yeah. it's cool, right? <laughs> space is cool, but they don't care, right? They want to see whether their crops are healthy or, you know, maybe some sort of more detail. Sure. What are the nutrients? What's the water content? Things like that. Now, they are, they're, of course, they're not sort of sensor experts, right? So they don't know that, oh, for, for this use case, it's better to have mid-wave infrared. For this, it's better to have hyperspectral. <laughs> How does it work in practice? Does the farmer sort of like just click on some sort of specific use case and then the sort of your platform pulls in the right data in the background or how does it work? So every application uh, is, well, <laughs> a separate application under a separate URL. So you as a farmer, uh, you are logging into an application that has, uh, let's say, uh, bestfarmingapplication.com URL, right? So you, you may not be even not aware that there is an RB5 platform behind it. Uh, you are taken directly to your dashboard and no one is asking you whether you would like to be using uh, Landsat data or uh, planet data or, or whatever other, other constellation data, right? You are just presented with your dashboard information about, so, well, this is your field, this is what you pre-configured, this is expected uh, yield, this is uh, the situation, this is soil moisture, this is uh, these are other parameters. Uh, you may not be even aware that uh, someone is calculating NDVI index for you because... Uh, it may be just like you know green uh, green uh, i don't know square showing yes everything is okay or, or 90 percent okay uh, so we the the, the user interface that's uh, App builder is creating for the end user, app user on the platform is super simple and uh, doesn't show any complexity. And this is the big difference between us and, for example, Google Earth Engine. Google Earth Engine, you know, it's it's an amazing platform. I, I really admire uh, what uh, the engineers behind the product uh, were able to build. At the same time, this is not a product that I would share with a farmer, a forester, firefighter, fisher. Right? This is uh, this is a great product for analysts. And uh, what we are doing differently is that uh, in our product, we've got this dichotomy between app builder, uh, this power user who creates things, and end user, app user, who just wants to take advantage of, uh, well, like, like, just like you said, right? Take advantage of data, not necessarily space data, just data, and see what is happening uh, in their fields, uh, in their forest, uh, in their part of the sea. So, so just to be clear, because we started, or your company started with, you know, working mm -hmm. with consulting company yeah. your current product is it directed directly to end customer like a like an this is b2b platform? product no this is this is we are a b2b product b2b okay so you kind of go to intermediaries who would then go to um the end customer yeah so orbify is a SaaS platform where Earth observation consultants can log in and can build their stuff on. So you can think about us like Shopify. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's uh, well. I, I I like this comparison because. I see what you're saying. Yeah. 
you know, with Shopify, uh, it's super easy uh, to start your e-commerce, right? If you have an idea, oh, tomorrow I would like to start selling, selling T-shirts. I've got this uh, great slogan that I would like to put on it, and there is a great uh, image, and everyone will be buying them. 20 years ago, uh, you would have to spend a lot of time investing uh, in uh, e-commerce infrastructure, getting some smart, uh, I don't know, cousin of yours that knows a little bit of, about this PHP thing uh, to build stuff for you. And uh, it would take uh, a couple of weeks. Maybe it would be buggy. Maybe it would be sluggish. Uh, maybe user interface would be perfect. But you you, you could start selling your T-shirt today. Uh, well, if you've got this idea about uh, selling T-shirts, you simply go to Shopify.com, and uh, within ten minutes, your online presence, your online store is uh, up and ready. It looks good. Uh, it has some predefined nice templates that uh, that you can uh, use. Uh, it has uh, integration with Stripe. It has uh, basket. It has all those features that you as a well beginning entrepreneur need, right? And uh, you can start selling t-shirts within within 10 minutes. And this is what we want to do for, for Earth Observation. Uh, we want to make it so easy to build uh, Earth Intelligence applications like it is like it is easy to, to start selling t-shirts online with, with Shopify. And in terms of the um the data, like you mentioned, like Landsat, for example, so that's on government satellites, right? Mm -hmm. so private companies like Planet and Satellogic and others. Um, Planet Satellogic is just more on the optical end, but there's like radar companies and other hyperspectral companies, infrared companies. I mean, could, could you ingest basically anybody's data at this point? Uh, so <clears throat> we have a couple of integrations uh, in Orbify and... Uh, with those, uh, you can take advantage of uh, Central Landsat and uh, a couple of commercial providers. Uh, at the same time, uh, I'm really happy about the integration we've got with uh, Ellipsis Drive. I'm not sure if you and your listeners are, are familiar with the product, but Ellipsis Drive is like this... Google Drive for Earth observation. So you can easily upload there all sorts of uh, Earth observation geospatial uh, data uh, and uh, through uh, through the integration, you can uh, take advantage of those uh, in Orbify. So we build it because we are aware that we will never be able to have all the data people need, right? You may have some UAV drone imagery that you would like to take advantage. Maybe you are a more advanced consulting company. Maybe you are operating some drones for your farmers, right? And you would like to uh, take advantage of those uh, much more detailed uh, pictures with better resolution, etc. Uh, so uh, you can upload those uh, this imagery to, to uh, Ellipsis Drive and then connect your application um, to, to those uh, images uh, and, and get the data. So all in all, uh, there are two ways of uh, using uh, data in Orbify platform. One is through the integrations we have with various vendors and uh, integrators, and the other is just bring your own data and use them. And so the sort of the integration is basically automatic. So whatever you would have to pay, say, to a co commercial provider, let, let's say Planet, mm -hmm. I don't know it's Planet, but somebody like Planet, right, who would, square, who would charge you on a certain basis, whether it's per square kilometer or something, basically that would all happen in the background. Whatever data yeah. is used, like the correct amount of payment would be passed on to the commercial provider. Exactly. exactly. Basically, yeah, it's like your Shopify, Shopify comparison is actually a good one. So it's the same as when you have Shopify set up, you're an online store and you use some, you know, dropship supplier, the payment of the end customer gets routed automatically to the, to the supplier. It's interesting. Yeah. In terms of the um, 
um, the use cases. So we've talked about the farmer a lot by now, and you have mentioned some others like forestry, but what are, what are the use cases that you're most focused on right now and what are you most excited about? So I think that uh, farmer is, is one of the things that uh, we are excited about. Uh, the other use case, uh, real use case, is actually monitoring uh, rainforests because, uh, you know, <clears throat> Both you and I are, are located in Europe, right? And here, forest areas are re relatively small. But if you look at uh, South America, uh, Amazonia region, or if you look at uh, some other uh, countries uh, over there, forest areas are, are huge immense, right? And then monitoring uh, these areas without uh, satellites uh, is really expensive and, and difficult. So uh, we are working with a couple. Uh, we are lucky to work with a couple of uh, entities, organizations uh, who are uh, into monitoring uh, forests in uh, this uh, regions of the world. And then uh, we are also working with uh, a consulting company who is building uh, vessel detection uh, mechanism on top of uh, RB5 platform. And also uh, with uh, yet another customer, we we are super uh, happy to, to be building uh, an air quality monitoring application. So uh, obviously there are some sensors on the ground, but uh, through Sentinel-5, uh, you can also measure concentration of different gases uh, in the atmosphere. And then... Uh, the sensors, the in-situ measurements are obviously taken in, uh, well, urban areas. But then if you would like to understand how things are looking outside of urban areas, uh, you are not able to do it without satellite observations. So uh, this is why by combining in-situ measurements uh, with uh, information coming from, uh, from satellites, uh, we can build a complete picture of uh, how... Uh, different uh, gases pollution uh, is, is spreading uh, in the atmosphere. So uh, these, are the, the, these are the use cases we are the most proud. So they are mostly revolving around agriculture and sustainability. And then for the sustainability ones, I mean, when you mentioned rainforest, I, I, I'm guessing part of it is sort of monitoring for, for illegal de deforestation. Right? Yeah. Or it could even be legal deforestation, but just deforestation. Um, and, and also for the air quality, I mean, who are the... Who are the I mean, you don't have to give names, but the types of customers, is that more like governments and non-governmental like uh, foundations or? Exactly. So so this is uh, government agencies plus NGOs, uh, plus yeah. uh, environmentalist activists who would like to better understand uh, what is happening. And then going back to, to what you said about rainforests and legal deforestation. Uh, well, uh, one of the companies uh, we are, working with is, is working on a really interesting concept, uh, like a blockchain exchange uh, for uh, carbon producers and carbon offsetters. Uh, so you can think about, uh, let's say, a forester who, who is taking care of a piece of land, uh, or maybe not a forester, right? Maybe a normal person who owns a piece of land and uh, cultivates uh, this piece of land, making sure that uh, trees are growing healthy. And the person may be tempted, well, I will cut some trees and uh, I will uh, immediately make some money. But on the other hand, uh, they are offsetting carbon. So with this uh, exchange, they could be uh, like uh, getting uh, paid for, for making sure that uh, mm -hmm. carbon is uh, being sequestered from, from the atmosphere. So this is, this, there are some really interesting concepts that are being enabled uh, by, by Earth observation. And for those kinds of use cases, do you find that the available data is sufficient at the moment? And I mean that in sort of every respect, sort of like, you know, spatial resolution, tempor temporal mm -hmm. resolution, geographic coverage, or is there... 
still sort of holds we have to fill in your observation um, infrastructure, so to say? I think that's comparing to what uh, was taking place like, I don't know, five years ago, situation improved immensely. Uh, so right now there is uh, plentitude of freely available data and uh, much, much uh, more uh, commercial constellations. Uh, what, well, <laughs> you mentioned Planet, right? I think that's what Planet is doing, but but also other players uh, in the field, uh, Maxar, uh, and then smaller players like Axel Space, uh, like Alba Orbital, like Sartre Revolution is, is amazing, right? Uh, if, you, uh, if you want to monitor huge amounts of, of land, then you can start from using Landsats and Sentinel missions. And then once you spot something uh, interesting, you can zoom in uh, using commercial data. So this is uh, one of the use cases that, that we are looking uh, into as well uh, to kind of uh, monitor bigger uh, areas uh, with uh, lower spatial and temporal resolutions data, but uh, which are for free. And then uh, once we notice that there is appearing a path in the forest, right? Usually deforestation starts from a path appearing and then uh, the path uh, diverges and then uh, there is more and more trees appearing, right? So when we notice that, okay, in this area, there, there, there is a path that appeared, then we may want to uh, use uh, higher resolution uh, data for, for, for this area. So there are some really interesting concepts and, uh, well, if you ask me whether the situation can be better of course right uh, it can be better it will be better uh, with uh, players like pixel like uh, like alba orbital launching their small sats and uh, collecting even more interesting data uh, however i think it's it's good enough uh, to build some uh, applications that will already change how we are thinking about uh, about the world how we are thinking about uh, economy how we are thinking about uh, taking care of the environment and I just ask you a little bit about sort of the commercial side um, about, you know, how you find customers, because I mean, that's sort of a, not a problem, but it's uh, one of the more challenging part for many space related startups, because often it is technical people like you guys, mm -hmm. are, I think yeah. well, are technical people, right? By background, you're software engineers, and suddenly you have to go out and actually, you know, market a product and, and, and find customers um, for something that you weren't doing before, because if I heard it correctly, you guys were in the travel industry before. Um, how how did you find that experience? Um, how are you guys going out and finding finding new customers? Well, I'm lucky to be working with some great specialists uh, who understand uh, business development, who who are fluent with uh, growth marketing. So you know, it's it's about building balanced team, just like you mentioned. That uh, yes. Uh, our founding team has uh, mostly technical uh, experience with, with building technical side of the products, but then uh, knowing this, understanding this, uh, pretty early on, uh, we tried to uh, add to our team uh, people who uh, who are more familiar with, with business aspects of the type of uh, operations. Uh, so it's about building balanced, diversified uh, team. And it's particularly talking about sort of remote sensing and, and what we call the downstream part of remote sensing, you know, one challenge mm -hmm. I think people have encountered is that it really depends what, you know, vertical you're targeting, right? Whether it's agriculture or forestry, or it could even be something totally different, like, you know, mining, oil and gas and so forth, right? Because you have to understand the customer. So I get it that you guys are B2B, so you're targeting the intermediaries. And so, so that helps you in that you don't have to deal with the end customers, but you still have to kind of understand, for example, okay, who are the important intermediaries for 
I don't know, forestry or something like that. Um, how do you go? How did you go about figuring that out? So this is the reason why we are focusing on uh, some specific verticals, which is uh, agriculture and sustainability. You mentioned a couple of other interesting use cases like uh, infrastructure monitoring, uh, like mining, uh, sure. like uh, well, there is uh, urban monitoring, right? There, there are many things that, that uh, can be done with earth observation, but we are focusing on uh, agriculture and sustainability for two reasons. Uh, one uh, is uh, exactly like you said, to have the same language with our users to understand what they need from us, because we are still in very early stages of, of building the platform. So uh, we still have a long way to go. We still are, are learning a lot from, from our users. So this is why we are focusing on those that we understand. And then uh, also uh, it's about uh, the other thing that we touched base uh, early on in the in the interview, which is uh, about uh, data analytics. So if we are focusing on agriculture and sustainability, we can uh, implement in the platform analytical components uh, that can be uh, used uh, across different uh, use cases. If you are uh, working with foresters and farmers, there are a lot of similarities between those use cases, right? Uh, if, in addition, uh, well, in, on the other hand, if you are working with uh, urban monitoring, there is not that much uh, overlap between uh, farming and uh, urban monitoring. So this is why uh, we are simply right now focusing on certain, uh, certain use cases and then uh, when we are happy with how the platform works, uh, when our users are happy about how the platform works uh, for their uh, domains, then we will be ready to uh, scale to, to say, uh, urban monitoring or infrastructure monitoring. Mm -hmm. And then what's the what's the revenue model? How do you charge for this? I, I guess your 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 customers who are intermediaries are going to charge the end customers in a certain mm -hmm. way. And is it some is it like a revenue share or how roughly how does how does that work? We are a SaaS product and uh, fees are based on the usage. So uh, what was very important for us is that uh, Orbify needs to be free to start, right? We don't want to charge you, I don't know, a couple hundred uh, euro just to log into the platform. Oh, so it's like a, it's a freemium, a freemium it's, model. Exactly. It's a freemium product. You can build your application uh, for free. You can even give it to a couple of your users for free because uh, we are granting you with some amount of free credits on the platform. At the same time, uh, once your users, once you, you get some traction, well, where once you start consuming more resources, then uh, we are charging you for how much resources you use. So it's not that much about, uh, uh, well, what you will build on the platform. It's more about uh, how how much uh, CPU, how much storage, how much uh, data uh, you are processing. So, so once more, actually, your comparison of Shopify is... Is, is quite a good one. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, well, Shopify offers you a couple of uh, models, right? Because there is, I think, also some revenue share option. But uh, yeah, well, in, in a sense, you're right. Yeah, and the, and the, the basic, uh, the sort of the basic yeah. Shopify model. Good. And I guess another sort of nice thing about your business model is then I mean, there's, there's always this, you know, sort of remaining stereotype um, about space-related business models that are all horribly expensive, long-term and capital intensive. But I guess you guys are on the sort of like extreme other end of this because you're basically, um, yeah, you're SaaS business, right? You, you basically have no mm -hmm. capital intensity. This is this is uh, one of the things that our uh, clients uh, find really important that we are turning uh, CAPEX, capital expenditures, into OPEX operational expenditures, right? So 
in uh, without Orbify, if you want to build your product from scratch, then you need to invest a lot into into building products. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, these are these are numbers like fifty thousand, one hundred thousand uh, euro just to have something working, just to have uh, a decent MVP. And then uh, with Orbify, you log in, uh, you upload your code, right? So we are assuming that you are coming with some uh, interesting algorithms because you are a consultant. So, so you already know how to process data. But uh, after that, uh, well, things, magic is happening for you. And then you are only paying when, when, you, when users are, are using your product. Yeah, so you're correct. You're also reducing the capital intensity of your Mm -hmm. customers but i meant for orbify itself right you're not a capital intensive business because you're <sighs> okay. data like your, your software business yeah right? that's true that's true yeah. we don't have any, any satellites on our own so it doesn't require millions of uh, euro investment up front that's, right. that's correct you, you basically need to pay the you know the, the, the software engineers and then you have obviously the opex for sort of um yeah. resources you use on the computing side but um so, so that's that how does that translate into financing are you, are you how is the business financed? Uh, well, uh, we collected our first uh, round of financing a couple of months ago, and uh, for now we are uh, super happy with uh, with the round we collected, and uh, we are developing the business. Uh, at the same time, uh, there is some revenue already appearing here and there, uh, so this validates our assumptions, and uh, we'll see how it goes. And was this a venture capital round? Or yes, yeah, yeah, venture capital. And what are you going to use that money for? Of course, uh, building the platform, uh, and uh, once uh, we see some uh, traction, then, then growing uh, the, the, the user base. Uh, so these are like, like you said, right? Mostly, uh, it's about uh, the team uh, funding uh, really great people and, and uh, making sure that they are happy in the company. Terrific! And um, look, it's it's a really interesting business, and I can. Just off the top of my head, think of various sort of, you know, space startups in the ecosystem, you know, EO, upstream EO companies who are deploying certain sensors, which are very relevant for agriculture, who may want to talk to you about integrating their, their product. But beyond the business, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about um, as we're winding down the interview is, um, is where you're based. Where, where are you based, Jakub? Uh, I'm uh, personally based in Krakow, Poland, but we are building a European company. <clears throat> so uh, there are people based in Barcelona, there are people based in Düsseldorf, there are people based in a couple of other uh, cities in, in Poland, like, like Gdańsk, Lublin. Uh, the reason why I'm saying European is that uh, being in the same time zone is important mm -hmm. for us because uh, I, I work for some US companies and then seven, nine hour yeah. difference is, is, is really difficult, right? But then as long as we are in the same time zone, uh, the difference uh, doesn't play that much of a role. Uh, we are trying to meet every couple of uh, months and spend uh, a couple of days uh, together brainstorming uh, about different uh, topics, uh, taking time to, to, to build uh, the proper team, proper uh, organization cu culture uh, but uh, yeah we are we are distributed yes yeah, so your typical sort of like uh, pandemic post-pandemic multi-location remote team i get that i'm going to use the hook anyway since <laughs> you are based in krakow and because i want to ask you about sort of the polish space ecosystem because we haven't had anybody from poland on before uh -huh. i was curious about sort of you know what the, the ecosystems beyond the really well-known ecosystem because you know there's of course there's always a lot of people from silicon valley you know maybe from other like established space ecosystems like luxembourg or toulouse in france or harvard in the uk so if you don't mind, do you want to just like talk a little bit about what you're seeing in the 
in the Polish space ecosystem, uh, sort of in terms of startups, VC activity, um, how the government looks at it? I think that the Polish uh, space uh, ecosystem is uh, really growing recently. So uh, maybe we don't have uh, companies like uh, like Maxar or, or Planet, but Sat Revolution is uh, doing some uh, really interesting things with uh, their small sats and, and uh, uh, optical constellation. Uh, the vision that the CEO has is that uh, in a couple of years, they will be able to transmit real-time um, images uh, from any uh, spot on the on the planet mm -hmm. uh, so i'm really looking forward to it and uh, this this would uh, well uh, enrich uh, orbify offering a lot uh, in addition to to to, to sat revolution uh, there is uh, that there are a lot of uh, analytical uh, companies that uh, are uh, building stuff uh, for space, uh, like uh, Satim, uh, like um, others. Uh, there are also a couple of uh, companies who have their uh, offices, development offices in Poland, uh, like Apsiski, a French company that uh, has their uh, business development and a couple of uh, engineers uh, in Poland. Uh, so this is this is growing really nicely. And then when it comes to VCs, uh, we've got uh, a couple of VCs who are uh, based in Poland, but looking at Europe uh, and investing in, in various startups. So uh, like OTB Ventures, uh, I think that uh, you might have heard about them because they are pretty active in, in space space. Uh, so they they have offices, they have people in, in Poland. Uh, and uh, well, when it comes to governments, uh, they are trying to help and <laughs> they are doing their best. We've got Polish Space Agency, who is, of course, uh, supporting Polish startups and trying to animate the scene, uh, space technologies cluster, etc. So, uh, well, I, I don't have that much comparison, right? So it's difficult for me to say, oh, things in, in Poland are this way and in Switzerland are, are that way, because I didn't do that much uh, business in, in Switzerland. Uh, but I'm really happy to, to be here in Poland. And is there any particular place in Poland where the activity is more concentrated or is it distributed? Uh, I think Warsaw, the capital, is uh, where there is a lot of things happening. And then uh, Krakow uh, being, uh, well, the second biggest city uh, and uh, the city that uh, probably has the most engineers uh, is uh, is also a very interesting place uh, to be in. But, you know, I'm biased, right? I, I, I'm living in Krakow. I, I like the city. I, I know the startup scene over here. Uh, so uh, there is this availability bias on my side. I can tell you about lots of interesting companies that are operating uh, from Krakow. Sure. Let me ask you sort of the typical last two questions I ask. One is, mm -hmm. so, so by now you, you, know, you, you have a little bit of knowledge of the space ecosystem, I assume. If you, if you weren't doing Orbify, is there something else that you think is a really interesting opportunity in, in the space sector that you would be looking at as an entrepreneur? Well, I think that uh, space mining is a super interesting thing. And uh, this is actually one of the things that uh, we have uh, somewhere very, very far on our radar. Uh, to, to, to be able to dig into this, uh, but it's also capital intensive, right? So uh, this is one of those uh, industries uh, where without a billion dollar investment, probably you, you shouldn't even start thinking about it. Uh, so maybe in, in, I don't know, 10, 12 years, uh, Orbify will be one of those companies that uh, are looking into asteroids using our amazing platform uh, to collect uh, data about uh, asteroids and deciding, okay, we should be uh, sending our robots to mine over there. Yeah, that's certainly the other end of the 
capital intensity spectrum from your current business. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is why we didn't start from this, right? Uh, but. Uh, looking at it from what is interesting, what is amazing, uh, what would enable people to really live in space. Because for, for me, this is the important thing, that uh, mining is not only about having fun, not only about sending tourists to space, but mining is about making it possible for humans to actually live in space, right? So if you are able to mine uh, water, if you are able to mine uh, some 3D printers filaments, uh, if you're able to mine uh, hydrogen, then you become independent uh, from supplies uh, delivered from, from, from the Earth. And uh, this is probably where we need to go if you would like to become uh, a species that uh, is independent from, uh, from our mother planet. Okay, and another thing, uh, talking about space mining, you sort of, um, that leads us to the final question, which is very <laughs> much about science fiction. Um, what kind of do you like science fiction? And if yes, of course. what kind of science fiction do you like? And it could be anything. It could be a movie. It could be TV series. It could be books. Uh, well, uh, I grew up watching Star Wars, so probably uh, if you if you ask me about uh, science fiction, this is the first thing that comes uh, to my mind. But uh, actually, uh, one of the things that uh, made the biggest impact on myself is uh, prose of Andy Weir. I really, really enjoyed. Uh, Project Hail Mary and The Martian, because th th these books are like, uh, you know, you have read them, right? You know them. Yes. Uh, and I suppose that all your listeners uh, know them because uh, they are really, really popular. But uh, what I really like about them is that uh, the hero, the main character, uh, is confronted with a lot of difficulties, right? And um, you are reading the book and it's, oh, crap, it's it's... Well, he, he will not make it. He, he will die. And then he's using his mind, uh, he's using his smarts, uh, knowledge uh, to overcome all of those challenges. So to me, it's like, wow, this is, you know, we when we are using uh, our mind, when we are thinking, uh, we can solve so many so many different problems. Okay. And, and I do agree. Those are very interesting books. Now, I have to come back to actually and give a shout out to Polish science fiction, because um, as I mentioned before, the interview we were talking, I also have a <laughs> Polish connection. Um, and... How about Stanislav Lem? No, of course. Uh, his prose is, is something that uh, I read a lot uh, when I was uh, when I was younger. Uh, Solaris uh, and uh, well, Invincible uh, are are some books that uh, I, I very much uh, well. They, they impacted me as a, as a kid a lot. So uh, it's definitely a writer I could recommend uh, to to anyone. Although, you know, it's, it's really interesting, right? Because when you're reading Science of Lem books, uh, they were written, I don't know, 50, 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so his impression, how things will be looking, was uh, a little bit different. But at the same time, uh, it's it's very actual. So in one of the books, uh, you will be reading uh, about a character who is uh, using some sort of a glass table uh, on which letters are appearing and uh, he's uh, reading new newspapers this way because there are no newspapers printed on paper for example like right? a giant ipad basically <laughs> it's exactly or, or a kindle uh, so uh, he had really amazing imagination uh, Stanislav Lem is a really great author for sure that's, that's a great note to, to finish off on and, and yes i haven't <laughs> read anything but solaris but solaris i found absolutely fascinating from the sort of imagination point of view and it has been made into interesting movies as well actually russian movies. it was yeah 
it was a nice movie. Invincible also is a great book because it's about collective intelligence. So uh, mm-hmm. this is something that's uh, that's also definitely worth reading. There you go. Well, thank you so much for being on today. Um, good luck with Orbify. Well, thank you much, uh, Raphael, for uh, for the interview. Thanks uh, for for uh, having me here and amazing questions. All the best. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. And that's a wrap for another nominal episode of the Space Business Podcast. Once more, if you enjoyed this, please leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple or Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore space. You can support us at www.patreon.com forward slash space business podcast. Lastly, if you have any feedback, including ideas for guests, and that may include yourself if you have an interesting space story to tell, or interested in being a sponsor, drop us an email at spacebusinesspodcast at gmail.com. See you for the next episode.